Okay, uh, last message in a series we've been calling, uh, What's the Big Deal? Uh, Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. What's the big deal now that the party's over? And what I will simply say to you, and this will be simple, just like most everything else I try to say, uh, if Easter changed everything, and if we believe the tomb is still empty, then to me it makes sense that the transformation that Easter generates should continue. It should continue in our lives. It should continue in our church. And I would just, again, most of this is reminders. But in the time between when Jesus stepped out from the tomb until he ascended into heaven, he did a lot of things, but I would call attention to three specific ones. And again... What's the big deal now that the party's over? One of the things he did was he sought out those he loved. When Jesus came out of the tomb, he continued to be a man on a mission. It wasn't just, oh, that was interesting. What can I do now? He had an agenda, and his agenda was specifically to interact with those with whom he had established relationships, and he intentionally, with a design and a purpose in mind, sought out those he loved. And as he sought them out, he restored those who were broken, hurting, and discouraged. They were, to say they were dazed and confused by the whole arrest, crucifixion, burial, resurrection. Again, they'd never heard this before like you and I have. And so they were simply trying to figure out what in the world just happened and what do we do with that. So some of them had seen their dreams crushed. They were discouraged. They were overwhelmed. And he sought them out so that he might restore those who were broken, hurting, and discouraged. And then he sent those who loved him to continue the work that he started. So he sought them out, he built them up, and he sent them on the mission that he came to establish. Um, Again, some of these are stories I've told often as it relates to Easter. One of my favorite parts of the Easter story is in Luke chapter 24. I'm not going to go there, but I'll just paraphrase. It's about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now, again, these were a couple of those individuals who had been following. They were hope-filled, and after the arrest, crucifixion, and burial, they were crushed. And again, I'm projecting my personality onto them, but they were walking back home after their dreams had been destroyed. And to me, I I just picture them kind of trudging along with their heads down, broken, discouraged. And as they're walking along, they're joined by a third person. Well, this third person was Jesus, resurrected. But again, I don't understand it. That's on the top of my list of questions when I get the opportunity to ask them and have them actually answered, is what was different? How is it that they didn't recognize Jesus? Again, they'd hung out with him. Why didn't they recognize him? I don't know. doesn't really matter because they didn't. And they're walking along and he says, geez, you guys seem really bummed. How come? And it's like, 
are you the only person on the planet who doesn't know what just happened? And they say, you know what, we thought Jesus was the one, and, and he's gone, and, and we just don't know what to make of it, and they're walking along. And they get to their home, and, and this person, Jesus, pretends like he's going to keep going. And they say, well, no, come on, stay with us. And, and so he does. And when they break bread together, in that instant, they recognize that it's Jesus. Now again, remember, he sought out those he loved. He restored those who were broken, hurting, and discouraged. That's that moment of restoration. There is this incredible aha moment. Oh my! This is Jesus. It's not over. And you know what they did? They, they had shuffled home from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they were tired, broken, discouraged. They realized it was Jesus. And as soon as they realized it, he's gone. Poof. And instead of standing there, scratching their heads, or sitting there scratching their heads, well, that was weird, what just happened? They jump up, and they bolt back to tell the others. They're not tired. They're not broken. They're not discouraged anymore. They're energized, and they're prepared to join Jesus on mission. In John chapter 20, the resurrected Christ joins the disciples as they're huddled together in a room trying to figure out what comes next. And Jesus shows up and he says in John 20, 21, he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. In other words, he says, I'm back, but I'm back for a purpose. And it's to send you to fulfill my purpose. He sought out those he loved, he restored them, and then he sent them. Last week I talked about Peter, and again, all of his denial and all that, and the whole incident there beside the lake and the campfire. And as he is in the process, he sought out Peter, he's restoring Peter, and three times in that conversation of restoration, he says, feed my sheep. I'm sending you to feed my sheep. Sought him, restored him, and sent him. And then, earlier this year, I spent time in Matthew chapter 28, what we call the Great Commission. And again, Jesus is hanging out with some of his followers, the risen Jesus, and he knows it's getting close to time for him to ascend back into heaven, and he gives them this message. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He sought them out. He restored them. He sent them on mission. So what's the big deal now that the party's over? When we were talking earlier this year, about the Great Commission and and some of that kind of stuff. I also spent time emphasizing that there's a time for thinking and there's a time for praying, but there's a time for being, doing, and going. Part of the big deal now that the party's over is it's time for us to continue to be and to do and to go in the way he sent us. Just a couple of reminders from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12. 
says, very truly I tell you, this is before Jesus left. He's kind of, he's preparing them for what's to come. They don't get it yet, but he's preparing them. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. In other words, I'm leaving you, but I'm expecting you to continue on with what I'm doing. And again, when I read that, it's like, I, I, Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. I kind of feel like a deadbeat. I mean, because Jesus did some pretty awesome stuff. But he's going to the Father not to abandon them, but to prepare them. Continuing in John chapter 14, Jesus says, in verse 25, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. God's going to send the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the very Spirit of God, to come and dwell within you. And by my leaving, he is coming, and you'll actually have a greater resource than him because he will dwell within us. But the advocate of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There is that expectation that after the resurrection... After his ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And all that happened before that was just to set the stage for the main event. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. In his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs he was alive. So the resurrected Jesus is going around and he's convincing his followers that he's alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. For 40 days, the risen Christ is preparing them for what's coming next. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. We just read about that in John chapter 14. Hang out. God's going to show up. And you're never, ever going to be the same again. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of, the kingdom to Israel? So in other words, they're still thinking in this realm. And Jesus is still trying to get them to think in his realm. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. And here's where we're headed, as many of you knew it already. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And most of you have heard sermons on this from a lot better preachers than me. But Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. I came. I lived. I died. I was buried. I rose again. And I'm leaving again. But in my place, the very Spirit of Lord God Almighty will dwell within you. And when that happens, you will be my witnesses. In your immediate vicinity, in the surrounding area, and to the ends of the earth, you will be my witnesses. 
So I don't think it's an unreal, unreasonable extension. Well, let me just finish that verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now he says, this is going to happen, and then he's gone. And again, great sermon material coming up next. The Holy Spirit does come and literally, I mean literally, rocks their world. And they in turn rock the rest of the world. Came, lived, killed, buried, rose. And as he's ascending, he says... The mission is now yours. And to make you adequate for a mission that you're wholly unqualified for, my spirit will come and dwell within you till the end of time and beyond. What's the big deal now that the party's over? Once the first Easter party was over, those who attended were transformed. For all of eternity. And they then set about transforming the rest of the world for all of eternity. That's why we're here today. Because of what happened after the first Easter party. That's why we're here. So, as I said last week, if Easter's a big deal in our life, which most of us affirmed last week if we were here, that it was. So if Easter's a big deal in our life, it should lead to our ongoing transformation and our ongoing investment in the mission of the risen Christ. couple simple reminders where I started, I'm coming back to. Understand this was not just the day after he stepped out of the tomb, the risen Christ is always seeking you. He's always looking for you. You know, some of you have those people that if you're going to a group meeting, you're automatically looking for them. You want to see whoever it is because that makes it a good event. That makes it a positive experience for you. That's the way Jesus is with you. He's looking for you. And again, I'm sure this is not true of anyone else, but sometimes I mess up. I know that shocks most of you, but sometimes I mess up. And so to me, a part of the beauty of this is he's always restoring us. Jesus is always looking for me. Where's Steve? What's he up to now? Oh, that's what he's up to now. Let's tune him up a little bit. (laughs) He's always looking to restore you to the fullness that he has envisioned for you. And he's always sending you. He always has mission for us. The question is, how do we respond? And and again, that's not a bad thing. To me, it's a reminder 
then his mission matters. And a part of that mission is continually transforming me into the person he created me to be. He sees all of my potential and he sees all of your potential. And he desperately wants us to realize that potential as we draw closer to him. That's why he seeks us. That's why he restores us. And as he restores us, he realizes we have a message for others. And that's why he sends us. I know some of you are like me and you may do the uh, Jesus Calling uh, daily devotional. And I just want to say for those of you who have already read today, this passage was in my notes before I read it this morning. So don't think I get my inspiration with Jesus Calling just before I leave for church. All right. <laughs> you don't care. I know. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, now, this is Paul. This is a, the guy who started churches all over his part of the world and, and who just had a testimony. His life was radically changed and others were dramatically changed because of him. But he says in verse 12 of chapter 3 of his letter to the Philippians, not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus came out from the tomb to take a hold of you in the best way possible. And Paul's saying, yeah, I, I may have been a part of some great things, but I know he's got more for me, and I know he has more for you, and I know he has more for me. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The resurrection is not an invitation to say, whoo, hallelujah, I love Jesus, I've arrived. It's an invitation to say, I press on for more and more and more of him. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I keep pressing on it to me. That's why Easter continues to be a big deal. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too will God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Keep pressing on. To me, that's the big deal of Easter. <clears throat> So what's the big deal? My title was kind of a falsehood. The big deal is the party's never over. That's the beauty of the resurrection. It's never over. There's always more for us to experience in him. And the big deal of Easter is we're never alone never alone he came forth i told you this several times over the last several weeks he came forth from the grave triumphant over sin and death he ascended to heaven and to this very moment is seated at the right hand of god the father pleading on your behalf party's never over and you're never alone and to me the fact that we have the opportunity to enter into relationship with that kind of a God, that's the big deal. Would you pray with me? Father, my prayer uh, this morning is a simple one. 
every single one of us is at a different place in our spiritual journey. Every single one of us. But I believe with my whole heart, Father, that you seek every one of us, that it is your heart's desire to restore every one of us, to meet us where we're broken, to meet us where we're discouraged, and to restore us to all that you have in mind. And Father, I believe with my whole heart that you have mission for each one of us. For some, it may be in a faraway land. For others, it might be a conversation with someone who lives in our own house or someone that we work with or go to school with. But Father, you seek us, you restore us, you send us. And I pray, Father, that you would just speak to each heart here and help them to realize the depth of your love for them and help them to realize that you never, ever, ever are done helping us become all you created us to be. And, Father, help us to realize that that's why Easter's a big deal. It's not the parties. It's not the great dynamic worship experiences. It's the fact that the risen Son of God offers each one of us new life today and for eternity. Thank you, Father. Amen. Worship team.